Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Austin Powers. Crazy baby, yeah. Is back. Yeah, baby, yeah. But Doctor Evil is back. More evil than ever. I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna cry, huh? Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the 60s and steal Austin Powers' no Jerry. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to travel through time. I bid you adieu. <laughs> Dr. Evil, we began a program to clone you. He is exactly like you in every way. One-eighth your size. I shall call him Mini-Me. Mini-Me! Something small, something deadly. Mike Myers. Mike Myers. What are you, some kind of freak? You mother Heather Graham. Move over, Rover. This chick is taking over. And Mike Myers. Surprise, surprise! In the biggest Austin Powers adventure yet. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. So, uh, let's see, frame this up. June 11th through the 13th, Austin Powers, the second one, The Spy Who Shagged Me, opened to uh, almost $55 million. And I think the uh, marketing at the time, uh, which probably means that New Line cooked the books just a little bit, was that its opening weekend uh, surpassed the total domestic gross of the first film, which was um, kind of like, I guess, Office Space um, two years prior. You know, a little video store hit that ended up becoming a cult classic, but in this case uh, resulted in a sequel and uh, opening in the middle of summer. So a uh, pretty quick turnaround for the first one. And I have to admit, Ben, I did not go back and watch the first one for uh, this discussion. I just wanted Neither to watch did I. this. Okay. Uh, and it's been probably since, um, you know, the 90s, since I, I had seen the first one, which I did like quite a bit and did watch on video a few times after its theatrical run. Uh, also, like Office Space, give myself a pat on the back that I was there and saw Austin Powers, the first one, during its first <laughs> theatrical run. I was one of the early supporters. Uh, not so much for the second or third one. I have 
only seen these once because I did not care for them. But I was there opening weekend for uh, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. What, what about you? What's your history with this franchise or this film in particular? So ironically, I never saw, I, I hadn't seen the first film when I saw this film, when I saw The Spy Who Shagged Me. Mm, okay. And, and I'm glad you talked about the commercial success of the movie because that really, that was kind of where I was going to take the discussion too because Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery comes out in summer of 1997 and does really respectable, good business, but like, you know, it's not a blockbuster or anything like that. And then this one, because of the home video market, uh, is able to capitalize on that success and be, you know, become a franchise, uh, which it, you know, which it wasn't necessarily uh, heading in that direction already. Uh, and it, in terms of recent example, I was going to, I was going to say there, like, you know, that could never happen today. Uh, but then of course I, you know, I remembered that uh, recently uh, John Wick uh, three mm-hmm. and John Wick two have had, you know, the, a similar trajectory that uh, jo- the first John Wick, uh, wasn't a huge hit. Uh, it, it did good business, but then, um, because, you know, I guess people saw it, uh, streaming or on video and, uh, the, the subsequent films have, have all done, you know, more, uh, why so, that is, um, I don't know. Cause I hated the first John oh, Wick. Come but... on, no, please. <laughs> no, none of that here. We're, I'm, I'm going to be pretty negative with Austin Powers. So, uh, I would I know, say it's a little we're, bit more we're quite of a, a pair. We're quite a pair considering you're going to be negative on Austin Powers and I'm going to be negative on John Wick. And we're just, you know, <laughs> like we're not going to have a lot of friends, uh, you we know, don't. as we uh, get older, I don't think. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why we're going to keep doing this into our old age. Um, well, I was, I was about to say that, uh, John Wick, it's probably more of a leap of faith for, uh, the studios to continue with the franchise now, because at the very least in the Austin powers days, uh, they were making money off the uh, video returns, uh, especially when, uh, you know, DVD came, uh, that was an even better business than the, uh, theatrical product they were putting out was basically just a means to get it to DVD where they could make even more, uh, off of it. So John wick, I, I don't know what the, uh, you know, streaming residuals are, but, uh, I would imagine they're just looking at as more of a baseline to, uh, make their money when they go back to theatrical. Um, I, uh, okay. Okay. So you had, you said you saw this before you saw the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think I remember everyone being aware of it and being excited to see it, but I don't know why I went to go see, <laughs> I guess, I guess I was just following the crowd, you know, and, and, and yeah. And I was very pleasantly surprised, uh, even as a kid, uh, how, with how funny it was, uh, I'm, I'm surprised you're going to come down harshly on this. Uh, I mean, I just think, I, I think it's so enjoyable. I think it's so harmless. It's so funny, uh, in, in certain parts, it's so bright and colorful and full of good natured humor. Um, despite all the gross out stuff and, and, uh, you know, uh, 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 yeah, this is really, it's all dumb humor. This is all very dumb humor, but it takes a lot of creativity, uh, to bring, this to the screen in the way that Jay Roach uh, did. And I'm really glad that they didn't go on and have Austin Powers 4, Austin Powers 5, Austin Powers 6. Uh, I think at that point, the joke would get stale. And uh, I, I remember feeling that it was a bit stale at the end of the third one, that if it hadn't been for Michael Caine and a few choice moments with him, and I guess Fred Savage uh, in, in that film as well, uh, that that would have been, you know, Pro, a, a bigger disappointment to, to me, uh, the, you know, than, than it was, um, the, 
the the Austin Powers series feels just right to me. They had three very short, uh, bristly paced movies that you know are like like there's people come way come down way too hard i think on comedy like this and don't appreciate it uh well enough uh i wish we could have something that is just purely comedic uh uh come out today a lot of comedies that hit theaters now are comedies that are aspiring to do something else uh and and they're not really that uh they're not really that they're not as focused on just the specific, uh, you know, uh, response of getting a laugh out of an audience as they should be. I think that's a fair point. Um, I also think it's fair to say that, uh, boy, Mike Myers was just really fucking pleased with himself back in these. Like, and watching this now, well, I'll tell you what, watching these at home uh, by yourself, or in my case, with a snoring dog next to me. Man, do these gags just drag on and on and on? And it's like, you oh. know, this feels like, I mean, this, you know, like watching, um, you know, the, the three camera set up for like a, a, a show filmed in front of a live studio audience, like where they've already sort of pre planned, like the laughs go here. And so we don't have dialogue. Like, that's what it felt like watching this at home and not in a theater. I do remember people enjoying this. I didn't. I, I remember finding. Stuff like Fat Bastard, just like a big, you know, just a reach for something, like anything, like a new gag, a new character that Mike Myers can do. And I just, I just thought it was like, you know, he's basically there for, uh, for a, uh, a poop gag, basically, is all he's there. <laughs> but it's a for. terrific poop gag. It's a terrific uh, poop gag that still has me, uh, uh, reacting to it on a visceral emotional level uh, watching it now I was watching it with a snoring dog too and I was alone but you know I was drinking so maybe that helped maybe you should try that <laughs> next time uh, and you know after everything I've said I go on after everything I've said praising them for not doing an Austin Powers 4, 5, and 6 I go on IMDB and right now and there's an Austin Powers 4 that has been announced so whatever <laughs> serves you right serves you right for defending this no um, <laughs> this a, is a he had a lot it, to be pleased about himself with this is a good character this is a very pointed uh satire towards the James Bond movies which we have coming up uh we have a James Bond entry uh coming up in you know for this podcast uh one of the better James Bond films and you know this it, it's just perfect in terms like they're not going too Oof. far with it the the gags to me don't go on for i think i think today a lot of improv gags will go on a lot longer than this stuff these feel just right how um, many times in one sequence is dr <laughs> evil saying right right to everything fat bastard says like no matter what he says he just and that's the cutaway and i'm thinking is that is that the bit is that the joke are we supposed to laugh at dr evil saying that are we laughing at fat bastard I yeah you know, I, I think it's lazy and I, I feel like I feel like Mike Myers was just really like tickled pink with like his life and like his zany comedy and uh, he, he needed Lorne Michaels here he needed him to say hey you, you know you don't have enough material you don't even have ninety minutes worth of material here uh, you come up with some other stuff or have someone else you know have a writing partner uh, with you on this um, I, I I don't know it actually made me curious to go back and watch. Uh, the first one, because I just remember being like a big fan of it, as I said, seeing it multiple times. And even I would have been 16 when this one came out and saw it opening weekend with a buddy who really liked it. I, I didn't. I didn't really <laughs> find any of it that amusing. 
And uh, that continued on with uh, Goldmember, which uh, as much as I hated Fat Bastard, they just, you know, you know, they make a new villain character who I find equally obnoxious and not funny. And, um, you know, that's just how the series... So the fourth one, for me, um, you know, I, I think that... Uh, I, I hope it comes out and it's like Zoolander 2. I just hope that I'm finally, like, proven right that, these, you know, this character sucks and it's not that funny. Where does but this hatred like, come from, Michael? Like, I just... we have Mike to... <laughs> Myers? I don't find Mike Myers to be uh, very likable. <laughs> Um, and I don't think he's actually got a very good reputation in the comedy world either. I, th- I think that uh, it's funny. Like, uh, I don't think I was like on YouTube, like, <laughs> you know, typing in Austin Powers routines or, you know, anything. But so I don't know why the, uh, algorithm knew that. I guess it's from my other Googling, uh, for this, this podcast. They're like, Oh, we're gonna give you some material on Mike Myers. But you know, like the, even the doctor, Dr. Evil thing is like, uh, apparently was just totally ripped from, Dana Carvey, like his impression of Lorne Michaels. And, uh, you know, that, I, I don't know. I think he's just sort of, uh, I just don't think he's like that original of a talent. And after Austin Powers, I mean, what has he done? What, you know, where's he been? I think he's, he's one note. And well, I think these movies are one note. But to, but to be fair, prior to this, he had already had Wayne's World, which was a big hit. Uh, and I guess, I, I don't I, So what, are, are you saying you're more of a Dana Carvey fan than uh, Mike Myers? Or, no, I'm just saying I don't think he had that many ideas, and I think I, I can feel it when I'm watching this. I'm like, this just like you know, just they didn't really have enough material for a sequel, and so they kind of go back to the well and certain things. Like I actually think that the movie probably peaks with Elizabeth Hurley, you know, turning into a Finbot in the, the opening sequence. I think that's like, see, I I love that. I love that too because it's it's exactly like these James Bond movies that that the beginning of them, it's almost always the the relationship he had in the prior film especially in the roger moore ones it's like the relationship he had in the prior one is done away with really quickly uh and and he just moves on uh right away uh and only in like i i believe it licensed to kill and on her majesty's secret service do they ever have james bond show any sort of lasting uh sadness for uh you know the the woman he's lost uh and <laughs> And it's perfect. Like it's perfect. She becomes a robot and and is and is uh, and is destroyed. Um, the, the, I I think movies like this and movies like the first scary movie uh, are uh, and Air, Airplane as well are undervalued. Uh, the I love really good pointed spoofs that point out the uh, ridiculousness of of certain genres and. What, what I like about them is they parody it in a loving way so that fans of that genre can still come to this and don't feel like they're uh, being, you know, punished for having liked the James Bond films uh, or the Scream franchise or uh, airport disaster movies. Um, the, Jay Roach, the director here, is someone who I'm a real big fan of, and, and I don't think he has gotten uh, his due and he's had he's had he's had good movies and he's had bad movies. I think Recount and Game Change, which which were both HBO TV movies, uh, are really strong. Uh, but then, but but I'll, to be fair, his comedy, his, like his comedies that have gone to theaters, you know, have been I think less su- su- successful uh, year after year. Uh, Dinner for Schmucks, which we're we're gonna watch the original film mm-hmm. that that's based yep. on later. See, I'm doing a really good job at promoting a lot of uh, future. I want to want you to notice how many times it, today <laughs> I've brought up uh, future episodes. Uh, so, you know, 
<laughs> you could work on that, Deniston. Um, so. Well, I, I just want to look back. Yeah, you know, I just want to uh, relitigate. Uh, I guess Mike Myers' career. Um, are you a Meet the Parents fan? Because I think that's a yeah, comedy I, classic. I really, I really enjoy like Meet the one. Parents, but I don't. Okay. I don't enjoy Meet the Fockers. Like that was terrible. Uh, yep. And and Three. so yeah, he's had he's had successes and failures, but uh, you know his his successes that I've seen really definitely point to someone who I think has a firm ha- grasp of what he's doing. Uh, I've. I love some of these gags in, in, in the Austin Powers series, specifically in this one. Uh, we haven't talked about Will Ferrell as the uh, hen- henchman or, or guy working for Dr. Evil who, uh, who has to have Austin uh, uh, like ask him uh, four times <laughs> who yeah. sent him before he'll tell him the answer. There, there's a gag set up I just to go on to take up so 10 minutes of screen time. Just awful. Just, I, it wasn't that long, but it was... I. comedy is very subjective either you laugh or you don't and so like we could talk and talk and talk endlessly about this the bottom line is it worked for me and it uh, and it didn't work for you uh and that happens but i think in general in general uh people today have got to learn how to laugh at things the way that they used to in the 90s and and that is really like you think i'm i'm making a a stupid point but i'm not uh, there, there's really something wrong with a society that doesn't know how to have a good laugh. <laughs> well, okay, I'll, I'll make it a little topical here because it's actually a, like, sort of a, a stupid, not a debate because I'm, I'm just leaving like pithy tweets on, on people's like rage mode that they're going into online. But Booksmart as a film as of this recording came out uh, this weekend. And I, I saw it a few weeks ago, and it's—I mean—it's super bad. It's an updated super bad, and I enjoyed myself. It, it made me want to go back and watch Super Bad, a comedy that I also really like. Um, but the, the reaction to Booksmart's uh, bombing in spectacular fashion at the box office this weekend, <laughs> it's like enraged. Uh, I guess it's, you know, I don't want to say many fans because obviously there's not that many if it's uh, a huge disaster at the box office. But, um, you know, that's I, I, the way people are talking about it. They're talking about something that I had already seen and really liked. But the way they're talking about it is a total turnoff to to market it to new people like mm-hmm. if i'm like oh mm-hmm. i want to see a a charming and very funny comedy a, a teen high school comedy uh if you like super bad you know you're probably gonna like this um and if you're you know not old enough to have seen super bad you're getting like your generation's version of it but the way people talk about it you would forget entirely that it's a comedy like they're talking about it as if this is <laughs> this is the line in the sand where the theatrical experience <laughs> dies <laughs> is whether or not books book smart succeeds or not and i am trying to put myself back in the headspace of super bad and i believe 2007 and i don't think if that had not been a financial success that me and my buddies would have been like man what's happening in movies now like i would i would have thought like oh this is something for me and my stupid friends and we're gonna enjoy it but i can kind of understand why other people wouldn't and uh austin powers you know that's the thing that i was to to bring it back to that was that at one point you know this was (laughs) this was like the uh the big opening weekend like comp book movie for that that weekend right Mm -hmm. austin powers 2 is coming this is a huge blockbuster in 1999 yeah one of the i believe it's one of the highest grossing films of the year well it's it's strange like if you look at any of the marketing for it it's like even the original trailer was like if you have to see one movie this summer see uh star wars the phantom menace but if you see two see austin powers the spy of shaggy that you know they're putting (laughs) themselves up (laughs) saying that you know we're here we're the 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 cousin next to that film and 
I don't think anyone, you know, if, if this film had been a disaster, they wouldn't have thought, you know, this is the end of cinema. They would have just been like, oh, that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's something that is just going to stay in that sort of cult realm. Like it found, whatever audience it found on video, there weren't as many as we thought or people who want to go out and see it theatrically. Um, so yes, I, I actually do agree with your assessment. People need to learn to laugh and they also need to learn how to promote the comedy films they enjoy to make them seem like fucking comedies. <laughs> so, so yeah, so Austin, so the spy of Shagme is the fourth highest grossing film of 1999. If you adjust for inflation for, you know, uh, for 2019, uh, dollars, it would have grossed $365 million. Uh, like it's an incredibly huge, you know, almost unprecedented success in terms of going from the first film to this one. And, and, and I remember even, even in 1999 people being just shocked that, that it had made as much money as it did. Uh, book smart. I didn't see book smart. Uh, I'm sure it's fine going on your recommendation, but if the goal was to, <laughs> if the goal was to put asses in the seats you know, you can, I'm looking at the poster and, you know, you've got book smart written in this like old Antiqua uh, font. You've got two people sitting there looking glum and, and sad. <laughs> uh, you've got, talk about, I mean, it, it, so people won't know this because in an, so in an earlier episode we recorded today, you were bemoaning how there are no recognizable stars. Like who the hell are these people? Uh, Caitlin Deaver, Beanie Fieldstein, uh, Jessica, like, like, you know, Oh look, Jason Sudeikis and Lisa Kudrow, who are probably in smaller roles, yeah. uh, way down the line on the cast list here. Um, you know, I guess it's not, it's not what I would, uh, it, it, it's not even the direct comparison. Like that's sort of more, more of a, that's sort of more like of an A-lister comedy of, of like a, a prestige comedy, which is fine, which is also, I mean, there was a movie called Edge of 17 from a few years ago that mm-hmm. I, I really went to bat for. And I would say is, is part of that same thing. Uh, I, I think in terms of like blockbuster comedies, uh, we, we, very few of them uh, come out anymore. And and uh, almost none of them are geared towards everyone. They seem to be geared towards a very specific sect right. of the population, yeah. like Girls Trip or um, the other one that was from the same uh, filmmakers. I uh, forget. Um, but but movies like that, you know, that like they can uh, or or like Bad Moms, like they're aimed at a very specific sect of the population, and that'll be like the one movie they go out and see uh, that year, and they make it a hit. Uh, but we don't, we really don't have stuff like this. Uh, and, and yeah, we've been, yeah, they, may, they, yeah. they may have wanted to lean into the super bad thing more. It's probably a different, you know, it's uh, Annapurna and I believe super bad was a, a Sony, uh, was a Columbia release, but you know, I mean, that would have been an obvious, uh, tie in there. Cause it is Jonah Hill's sister. That's about as much star power as you're going to have on the poster. And with that one in particular, you know, Jonah Hill and uh, Michael Sarah, they were to some degree recognizable faces in comedy at that point. Jonah Hill, I think, I think that summer earlier was a knocked up. I think it was the same summer. So, I mean, there's reasons these things work and they don't. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know, Ben. I think I've reached a point where I actually haven't looked up where we're doing next because we did like sort of a, <laughs> a rampage mode of like watching these. So I had a really weird weekend. You know, our listeners, I had... Um, you know, Buena Vista, Social Club, Instinct, um, this one, Austin Powers, uh, too, and uh, Limbo, and pretty much all in the, you know, like a five-day span. So, 
Um, that's probably not the way to uh, to watch either Limbo or Austin Powers is like on back to back nights. But here we are. So what what am I going to be treated to next? What what is going to be the pick me up? I need to get back on a hot hot streak here, Ben. So next up is a film that I have never seen, and I don't know much about it. But I remember it be it, it was a real big. Uh, it, it it made a lasting impact in terms of being a movie that played with narrative from what I can understand, from what I remember. And it's by uh, the director of uh, one of the directors of Cloud Atlas. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, I was about to limit. I was like, can you give me a star? Give me a star name here. But uh, okay, so that's, uh, that's Run Little Run. Yep. So the, the, the two clues helped me there because the first one I'm like, I don't know, we did go already. So... Uh, Run Lola Run. Okay, uh, this one I'm very familiar with. I've I've done this, uh, I think for two other podcasts. I think so. We'll see if uh, the third time's a charm. I've so, never seen uh, it. I've never seen it. Okay, so we're gonna have two very different perspectives on that one. That one should be fun. It will be. Not as much fun as Austin <laughs> Powers, uh, as you know, as people looking up in the sky and going, "What is that? That's a huge Woody Woody Harrelson." Uh, what's oh going God. on? I love that joke, and you know what's great about that joke is it really depends on the theatrical experience uh, of having uh-huh. of of hearing that roar of laughter each time that joke happens. That really kind of and, and yeah, you're right in that one regard. I would say uh, watching Austin Powers at home is not as much fun uh, as, as seeing it in a theater and hearing that that bit of laughter every time that gag uh, uh, happens so <laughs> just glad it's over until Austin Powers 4 I hope you find some joy in your life <laughs> Michael Denniston I really do I really do <laughs> well you know as I said I liked book smart and now I like hate it I like hate talking about it I hate the conversation so even the things I find joy in I, I basically can't share them with anyone else because it'll somehow come back to bite me so I like you can't shame secret. people into watching a comedy like it's not exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. is it, son? I don't know, sir, but it looks like a giant dick. Yeah. Take a look at a starboard. Oh, my God. It looks like a huge... Pecker! Oh, yeah. Wait. That's not a woodpecker. It looks like someone's... Private! We have reports of an unidentified flying object. It is a long, smooth shaft, complete with two balls. What is that? That looks just like an enormous... Wang, pay attention. I was distracted by that enormous flying... Willie, what's that? Well, it looks like a giant... Johnson. Yes, sir. Get on the horn to British intelligence and let them know about this. American woman. I said get away. What I say